And I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 1. Book of Romans, chapter 1. I want to begin reading in verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through him and for his name's sake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all Gentiles to obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Father, this morning as we take a few moments to look at the theme of the gospel uh, and its effect on our lives and on our responsibility to communicate it to others, uh, God, we pray that your word uh, would work by the Spirit in our hearts to change us and to affect us. For the glory of Jesus, we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. Uh, a few uh, months ago, uh, my wife and I were in uh, Texas visiting our daughter and son-in-law. And I, th I think you all know what has happened in our life. We're going to be grandparents along with the Raiders. And... Uh, my daughter gave us a gift at dinner, and we opened that gift, and it was kind of the revelation that they were expecting. And that's like really cool news, right? And I thought that that was news that should be shared. But I was throttled down and told that uh, the only reason we were getting this news at that time and not when they came home in December was because daughter needed to talk to mother about being pregnant. And I, I honestly, I felt like this. I felt like, well, you should have just told mom and not me. Because <laughs> I'm not really trustworthy. Okay? <laughs> I mean, that's news to be shared, okay? I don't know, Dave, if I ever said this to you, but the little kid walked by you and I about a week later when I was back, and you said, well, you look forward to having grandkids someday or something like that. We made a comment like that. I'm like chewing on my tongue because <laughs> I had something I wanted to say, and I couldn't say it. And, uh, you know, there is a greater news that we as the children of God have, and that is the gospel. The gospel is, in its most simple definition, it is good news. It is news that is intended to be shared. It is news of deliverance and hope for people like these dear ladies who have come and shared and opened their lives with us of God's redeeming, powerful, transforming grace. You know, we live in a world that's hurting. Uh, and, and it's hurting at many levels. I, I, I rarely say anything about stuff going on politically, but I, I, I believe that since the level of disgust is so broad and bipartisan, that it may be appropriate to say that we live in an age where people are, they're disoriented, they're, they're troubled by what they see at so many levels. There's very little hope, there's very little that excites, particularly in people that could become leaders of our country. 
I also notice at the very personal level in people's lives that there is a pervasive, pervasive brokenness. I notice this with some of the people that I've had the privilege of working with recently and getting into conversations with people and a short way into the conversation, there is discussion of a sense of despair and brokenness that is present in people's lives. And God has equipped every believer with a message that is called the gospel. And the word gospel means good news. And that is a, a message that God has given us to communicate to a broken and hurting world. As you read through Romans 1, you will come to the conclusion that for Paul, silence about the gospel is inexcusable and intolerable. It is it is. Beyond reason for Paul, knowing all that he knows of the gospel of God in Christ, it is beyond reason for him that you and I would be silent about the message that has the capacity to transform people's lives. And so I think we live in a context where good news needs to be heard, in a context that is ripe for the message that God can change your life, God can bring freedom and hope. Now, Having said that, I know most of us as believers feel like, yes, I wish I shared my faith in Christ more. But most of us are going to say, I am dissatisfied with how frequently I communicate the gospel of Christ to others. And the question that obviously comes up is, why is that the case? And I, I, I want us to just look at a few thoughts from this text to understand what for Paul is driving gospel conversation and gospel talk. Why is it that Paul was regularly communicating the message of Jesus? What drove him in that way? And I just I want to make four observations from the text quickly for you this morning. I believe the first thing is this. Gospel conversation is driven by an adoration and appreciation of Christ himself. Central to Paul's discussion as he opens this letter is a discussion about the gospel of God, which is... In verse 3, we are told it is regarding his son. It is a message that is bound up in an understanding of who Jesus is, why he came, what he was seeking to accomplish, and how it worked out. And then how it now can impact our lives. Paul spent time meditating on the glory of Christ. He centered his discussion on the person and work of Christ. In verse 8 and 9, I want you to look down there with me real quickly. Verses 8 and 9. I want you to notice how Paul centers the gospel on Christ. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, who I serve with my whole heart, preaching the gospel of his son is my witness. Now, what I want you to pick up from that is just simply the idea of how Paul describes his ministering the gospel to others. He, taught, he calls it serving God with all his heart, communicating the gospel of Christ. Okay, which is to say what? For Paul, sharing Jesus was something that, 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 that came out of a wholehearted love and appreciation for Christ. I am amazed as a minister of the gospel who has been tasked with sharing and preaching the good news of Christ for 28 years. I am amazed... That that far into it, I still feel like I am growing in my understanding and grasp of the gospel. 
five to seven years ago, I came across a quote that, that opened up a clearer understanding of the gospel and how glorious the work of Christ is on our behalf in terms of providing for us a full and complete righteousness and forgiveness of our sin. Sinclair Ferguson makes this statement. He says, our greatest temptation as believers is to smuggle performance into the work of grace. To think that somehow our effort is completing what Jesus started. And when you believe that, you have diminished the value and power and completeness of the gospel. What makes the gospel glorious and what makes Paul adore Christ is that he understands that I had no righteousness to smuggle into the work of grace. I had no performance that I can use to add to the merit of what Christ has already accomplished. It is totally, completely done. The work of Christ on the cross has paid for my sin, past, present, and future. And I love that you can study the gospel, study the cross of Christ, and gain new insights and a deeper appreciation for it over time that causes an adoration of Christ that drives us to have gospel conversation in our lives. And so I challenge you, church, to think about Jesus, to focus on the work of Christ, to think about what his shed blood accomplishes for us. Cultivate a deep relationship with Christ so that you become a man, a woman, and a young person that adores him and that can't help but speak of him. Secondly, gospel sharing is driven by affection for others. I want you to look at verse 11 just to gain insight into Paul's heart. Paul says this. He says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Now, I, I am a person who is, my wife would testify to this, I have, I'm quick to irritation with people. Okay, I hide it really well. But internally and around my wife, I probably express it more freely. I like people. But sometimes I really have to ask myself this question. Do I have an affection for people like Jesus had? Because you understand this. It is the love of God in Christ that drives gospel ministry. It is the love of Christ or love of God in Christ revealed that drove the cross work, isn't it? John 3.16 tells us at the heart of the gospel, God so loved the world that he gave and the thing I have to ask God to do is give me, by the fruit of the Spirit, a love for people around me. My tendency is to be irritated and put off with people. Not to love them. And Paul says, I long to see you. I want to come to you. I want to minister to you in the name of God, the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ. I want to help you. I have a desire to see you excelling in your knowing and loving of Christ. And I think we could very easily argue that the ministry of our Savior was driven profoundly by love. May God help us to love people enough that we have a heart to want to communicate to them, to long to want to communicate to them the gospel. I'm also astonished by the fact that when Paul writes this letter about his desire to communicate the gospel to the people in Rome. The people in Rome that he's writing the letter to are believers. He wants to encourage believers with the message of the gospel. 
Because Paul believes that the gospel is not just about the initiation of your Christian life. It's about the duration of your Christian life. It's not just the weak food at the beginning or the milk of the word. It's also the depth of the word. The book of Romans is an entire book written about the glory of the gospel. And that gospel is driven by the deep love and affection of God in his son, Jesus Christ, for the benefit of sinners like you and I. I think the third observation I would make is from verse 14. As Paul expresses his desire to come to Rome and to communicate to them the gospel of God. Verse 14, he says this, and this is his, if you will, this is his heart. He says, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks both to wise and foolish. And those categories are simply meant to say that the gospel of God goes forth without any discrimination. It is blind to all barriers that humanity erects. It does not see them. Here's what Paul says. I am obligated. And I want you to think about what Paul might mean by that. Paul says, I share the gospel because I live with a sense of obligation to communicate the gospel of God to others. Now, obligation can work in two ways. Some of your translations say, Paul says, I am a debtor or I am obligated. Some say, I am bound. Okay, the idea of obligation here can move in two ways. If you take out a loan to purchase a home, you have an obligation legally to pay that debt. Okay? You also may come into debt another way, and that is this. If someone entrusts you with stewardship, with money to care for someone else, that money that is given to you, that treasure, is a debt that you owe to the person for whom it was intended. Does that make sense? Okay, and I used this illustration last night. If my father-in-law dies and leaves his daughter money to take care of her mother, then my wife is indebted or obligated to her mother for the duration of her life, right? And there is that, in that sense, there is an obligation. Now, you can look at Paul's experience in two ways. Paul loved God for the gospel and the change that it brought in his life. He felt a debt to God, a debt of gratitude. But in this text, the idea is more of a debt of obligation. God had given him something with a responsibility. And the word that you could use in relationship to the gospel is a stewardship. God had charged Paul with the gospel. Folks, here's what I want to understand. Acts 1.11 says, Jesus says, you're going to receive power. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you with the aim that you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the other most parts of the earth. That is the obligation that God places upon every believer to communicate the gospel of his son to a needy world around us. So the question this morning is this. Do I understand that before God, I have a responsibility, I have a duty, I have an obligation as a Christian to communicate the good news of God with the world around me? A responsibility that God has given over to me. One writer, John Stott, said this. He said, the contemporary church has a mood of reluctance and seems to regard evangelism, that is gospel talk, as an optional extra. That's a devastating observation. The contemporary church has a mood of reluctance and seems to regard evangelism as an optional extra in Christian living. How did Paul see it? 
Paul, Paul looked at the world around him and knew, I know something that they need to know. And that I owe them to tell them the gospel. Folks, if I was a chemist working for Merck Pharmaceuticals at their uh, Merck Sharp and Dome Research Facility in North Wales, Pennsylvania, and I spent years working to discover the cure for cancer, and I cracked the code, I found it. Okay, would you not agree that I would have an obligation to share that news and that remedy with humanity? And if I didn't, wouldn't you regard me as like the biggest jerk on the planet? Right? Folks, listen. Relief from cancer is temporary. Relief from the wages of my sin is permanent and glorious. Here's what Paul says. He says, I found the cure to the disease of humanity. I found the key to what causes all of the turbulence and trouble that's present in the world that you and I live in today. The lack of hope, the presence of shame, and the abundance of it, and brokenness. I found the cure. Here's what Paul says. You find something like that. You, you just received a responsibility to do something with that message. And folks, I, I, I pray that God would cause us to sense not duty, but, 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 but an obligation that is growing out of deep gratitude. That we have a message that is so powerful that can bring transformation and freedom into the lives of people that live in bondage and are moving towards death. May God fill us with courage to communicate that message to the world around us. The last thought I want to bring to your attention is this. Gospel sharing is driven by hope in God. Notice how Paul communicates this in verse 15. He's, verse 14, I am under obligation to share the gospel broadly with the world I live in. Verse 15, that is why I am so eager to preach the gospel. Eager. Okay? I, 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 I love watching uh, dogs that are eager for something. My neighbor's dog Loves it if I stop my van along the curb and get out and pet that dog. Its name is Lucy. I mean, every time my van comes in sight, Lucy gets eager. Okay, just she, she runs back. She's actually burned a path in the front yard in their grass. Runs back and forth, trying to get my attention. And so run and stop and then look to see if I'm looking. All right, she, is, she has an eagerness. To greet me, if I get out of my car and walk over, she is the happiest dog on the planet, presumably. And so she is eager. There's that expectation, that longing. Paul says in relationship to the gospel, he can't wait to get to Rome to share Christ. It's sad that we are often silenced by a sense of shame or reluctance. I think because we doubt the power of the gospel. May God help us to gain this sense of eagerness. And, and I think it's important to understand where for Paul, eagerness to share the gospel comes from. Notice what he says in verse 16. I am eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Are you ever tempted to be ashamed of the gospel? 
I think you can make a case in this text that Paul was wrestling with a sense of shame at times in sharing the gospel. I think it's why in Ephesians 6, at the end of the chapter, Paul says, pray for me that I will communicate the gospel boldly as I should or ought to, my obligation. Okay, but what does Paul say here? He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and also for the Greek. And once again, you find the obliteration of racial lines, of dividing lines, and an understanding that the gospel proclaimed has the power to bring about lasting change in people's lives. Now, I think if you look at Paul's story of his conversion, you will find why Paul is not ashamed. Paul was a man who was deeply broken. He was a man who lived in rebellion against God. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul describes his dilemma. He says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Okay, what did Paul understand? Paul understood that the gospel of God had brought transformation into the life of the deepest most sinful person on the planet. That's how he saw himself. And then his progression as he matures in Christ is he comes to a place where in 1 Corinthians 15, he calls himself the least of the saints. And that's powerful to me. The gospel had changed Paul's life, had so dramatically transformed him that he could say, I am not ashamed. That gospel can change the life of anyone. And Paul longed to share that message that had been, become for him so profoundly personal. In, first, in Romans 1, verse 1, Paul says that he is set apart for the gospel of God. When you come to Romans 16 and verse 25, Paul changes his explanation of the gospel. And he calls it, my gospel. So what happens for Paul? He hears about the gospel of God. By faith, he trusts in Jesus Christ, experiences forgiveness, receives righteousness through Christ, and now talks about my gospel. What's happened? For Paul, the message of Christ has become his belief, his trust, his faith. It has become my gospel. The question I would pose to you this morning is this. Is the gospel of God your gospel has become what you personally are trusting in for God to bring transformation and change in your life is the gospel of God this morning your gospel and see Paul's testimony would be that God has so dramatically changed me that I can never live the life I used to live I am obligated and I am unashamed in my proclamation of the good news of Christ. Folks, my challenge to you this morning is, as you go into this week, be a bold and courageous proclaimer of the gospel of God. The good news that God can bring transformation into the lives of people around you. Let's pray together this morning. God, help us to shake off 
complacency and the mood of the church of our day that finds us strangely and shamefully silent. God, forgive us. By the Spirit, grant us courage to speak your gospel. Fill us with love and compassion for a hurting world around us. Enable us by the Spirit to embrace our duty and our privilege to make a joyful and bold proclamation of Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. Father, let our aim be that your gospel might become our gospel and their gospel. That is the gospel of the world around us. Father, forgive our silence. And let us take the good news that God saves Hosanna in the highest. Let us take that message, Lord. First, deeply into our hearts by adoring Christ. Secondly, by affection for others. So that we will then sense an obligation to communicate a life-changing gospel to the world around us. Oh, Father, the world around us is so needy. I pray, God, that you would open our eyes. I pray that you would birth within us a willingness to be bold proclaimers of the gospel of God. Lord, this is the hope our world needs. And I pray that you will grant us favor by the Spirit to engage with those around us, loving them by sharing Jesus with them. For his glory we pray. And Father, I also pray that if there are any with us this morning for whom the gospel of God is not their gospel. Father, I pray that all the truth they've heard sung this morning and spoken this morning will coalesce in their hearts and they would realize that the gospel is good news for me, a sinner in need of a Savior. And Father, may you grant them this morning faith to trust, to repent, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God who stood on Calvary's cross to bear the consequence of their sin and to offer them forgiveness and freedom and hope. God, may we boldly share the good news for the glory of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Let's stand together.